Hello and welcome to Season 2 of The Nerd Degree. It's me, Brendan, and very excited to be back. We took a bit of time off, and then last month we recorded some video episodes, which we're still editing. Those are going to be going online soon. Also, this weekend, if you're in Christchurch and you go to Armageddon and you happen to be there in the morning, we are recording some live episodes there at Armageddon at 9.30 a.m., uh, both Saturday and Sunday. You know, they asked us if we could have any time that we wanted, and I said, make it 9.30 a.m., because that's when comedy happens. Anyway, uh, <laughs> you're about to listen to an episode hosted by Erin Harrington. This one is themed around insects. A lot of fun. I hope you enjoy it, and see you next time. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome your nerds. <laughs> I'm your host, my name is Erin Harrington and welcome to The Nerd Degree, a show where we plumb the depths of the weird, wonderful and often woefully esoteric as we attempt to find who is the wittiest nerd and the nerdiest wit. Now this episode is called Waiter, Waiter, There's a Nerd in My Soup. It is a creepy, crawly uh, show in which we pit Jiminy Cricket against the killer spiders of eight-legged freaks in a great entomological cage match that will involve one killing, eating or screwing the other, possibly all three, and possibly all at the same time. So we have two teams tonight. Um, I'll let the team on my right introduce themselves first. Hi, my name's Dan Bain. I'm the Artistic Director of the Court Jesters and I'm one half of this team. Very good. Uh, my name's Henry Nellis. Uh, I am a radiographer and a member of the Court Jesters, and another half, the other half uh, of this team. Very good. And do you have a team name? We certainly do. Uh, uh, you may be aware that there is there's kind of a species of insect that kind of lives in the ground for approximately 17 years and then burrows its way up to live for only uh, 24 hours. So we are subsequently team One Day Cricket. One Day Cricket, beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Welcome, One Day Cricket. And on my left. Hi everyone, my name is Brendan Bennett. I'm a playwright, an improviser, and as a hobby, I teach high school English. My name's Laura. I'm the editor of a journal called Aotearotica, and on the side, I like to dabble in gender studies teaching. Very good. And what is your team name tonight? Our team name is, of course, Sakei Dust Boot. Sakei Dust Boot. Very good. Welcome to Sakei Dust Boot. Fantastic. So, now, Laura, it's your first time tonight, yes. I hear. Yep. Yes, and I hear that you, in the, the, um, in the spirit of all good English teachers, have completely and utterly over-prepared. Is that correct? Yes, thus the stack of papers. <laughs> Very good. <laughs> well, <laughs> I thought I might intermittently ask your team for some facts over the course of this episode. Um, is the other team all right with this? That's fine. I love how Laura's got a stack of papers and I bought a glass of wine. <laughs> <laughs> and and what, what I thought we could do is, is you know add some stakes into this. If it's a good fact, if you, the audience, think it's a good fact, they get a point. Um, and if it's a bad fact, they lose a point. So it's up to you to win or lose. Uh, now we're joined by someone else too. We have, of course, a wonderful announcer tonight. And I'd like to introduce you to Katie, who is in the sound booth. Katie, why are you in the sound booth? Um, well, uh, it was suggested to me that my pathological fear of bugs could be uh, cured by aversion therapy. And so I'm sitting in the booth and... Uh, one of your agents is uh, slowly like feeding bugs into the room, 
And I've also been given a big list of um, biological nomenclature um, facts. So it's kind of like a multimodal aversion therapy where I have to read about bugs and experience them in the room. Fantastic. That's and also I'll be scoring. And also you'll be scoring. <laughs> of course you will. I thought yeah. we'd make you nice and comfortable yeah. this evening. Also also nice to have you here. So Thanks. we'll head straight into the first round. But first, I would like each team to roll for initiative. It's at eight. Not four. Oh. Oh, so, so I'll head across to one day cricket first. This round is called Nerdly News. And the first question is, what suckers have been labelled as the Brazilian army's public enemy number one? Chubba chops. <laughs> I was thinking the, you know, you, you stick on your dashboard and you put your phone there. Oh, yeah. Um, well, that's what they tell you that they do. Right. But, like, I, uh, uh, it just falls off. They've <laughs> been licking them? Yeah. And what, the, just, the meningitis? They're just not doing anything. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're not doing what they should be doing. Um, so it's, the, no, it's, no. So we're, we're being foolish. Yeah. That, that's not our real answer. Okay. Obviously. Um, but I, I, I was close with the first one. Uh, Chubba chubs. It's actually chupacabras, which have been um, <laughs> sucking blood from Mexican soldiers. Was that the question? It was. <laughs> it, it was the question. If you're a racist, <laughs> what suckers have been labelled as the Brazilian army's oh, yeah. public enemy number one? Oh. Uh. Do you have any ideas? No. No? I'm, I'm, and now I don't want to talk because my racism will escape. <laughs> well, I'll, I'll take it over to Sakeda's boot. What can you tell me about this? Well, I'd like to suggest there's been a recent um, translation of Twilight. The blood-sucking fiends of, of that have distracted the Brazilian army from... Oh, they're too busy reading Twilight. <laughs> so, so the translation has finally made it into... It has, it has, and now they're, 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 that's all they're doing. It's reading Twilight. I'm guessing since this, there's an uh, insect theme that this is referring <laughs> to some kind of insect that's maybe uh, giving them some kind of disease. Is it like the, the Zika virus or something like it that? It absolutely is the Zika virus. Congratulations, Brendan. So mosquitoes are the suckers that have been labelled as the Brazilian army's public enemy number one. Um, mosquitoes is the country tries to contain the Zika virus. And the virus, which was first isolated in macaques in Uganda in 1947, causes only mild symptoms, but infection in pregnant women has been linked to some pretty horrific birth defects. Um, viruses cause Zika fever, which to me sounds like a terrible 70s game show, or perhaps uh, slang like a workout for, routine. Yeah, yeah, or slang for some late 90s acid house come down. You know, you've got Zika fever on Tuesday. Um, and it's widespread, but has only in recent years been linked to these issues. And Brazil held a national eradication day last month. Are they trying to shoot them? <laughs> I thought so, in which thousands of soldiers and state employees would work to eradicate the in, the insects in homes and offices by going door to door. I read I read something somewhere that uh, something somewhere. There you did, go. Did you? If you want to fact check back at home, um, <laughs> that because there's tons of cases in Brazil where, of course, these birth defects are happening, mm-hmm. but nowhere else in the world, and it could be linked to the um, insecticide that they're using. Uh, Interesting you say that because I want to ask you all The Zika virus has been of interest to conspiracy theorists What are some of the theories uh, surrounding it? Can you tell me more about that? Oh, um, that it's not an insecticide It's just um, a, a plague to wipe out Rio 
so that people can get good seats for the Olympics? <laughs> yes, they are in fact on an aggressive and strict timeline in terms of uh, hopeful eradication. Is it so? Zika virus babies are born with smaller heads, aren't they? Bits of their skull kind of. And aren't there. do conspiracy theorists also have smaller skulls than other people? Is that? Are they being born conspiracy theories? <laughs> that would that would be very helpful, but that would propagate some of the, the theories. Um, I can tell you some of them if you if you can't think of any other potential conspiracy theories surrounding the Zika virus. I know that women in those countries there they are suggesting that there's no pregnancy for the following two years. Mm. That, so that would that would put a large halt on a lot of activity going on down there. So that might up the chances of the conspiracy theorists themselves. So maybe Jurex has a stake in this. Perhaps. Well, what we have is that the outbreak perhaps is caused by genetically modified mosquitoes released by insect control company Oxitec, or the virus was created in a secret lab experiment funded by the Rockefellers, who incidentally also were behind the sinking of the Titanic. <laughs> that Bill and Melinda Gates, through their foundation, recently funded a program to study pregnant women's immune response to the Tdap vaccine, which is a routine vaccination, covers tetanus, diphtheria, pertussis. Um, so perhaps eugenics or population control, all of which are related to the mutant mosquitoes, also funded by the Gates' evil global empire of health science funding. <laughs> but they, they are actually genetically engineering mosquitoes, aren't they? They are. As a way to manage the, um, the populations. What, human population? <laughs> <laughs> well, see, that's all it takes, a slightly in- inaccurate statement, and suddenly a con- another conspiracy is born. Well, I thought that I'd let you know that this round has been brought to you by Natural News, uh, publishers of such recent articles as today's The Nine Natural Cures for Cancer, the medical mafia doesn't want you to know about, <laughs> which include baking soda, um, organic garlic cloves, and cannabis. Uh, so it sounds like a good night in to I like make. the idea of a medical mafia. Like, you come to my... Hospital <laughs> on Monday. Henry, um, are you are you part of the medical? <laughs> yep, that's yeah, I'm one of the one of the evil henchmen. Very good. Now the next question is, um, who are we up to? Oh, over to uh, Cicada Dust Boot. Why might you want to stop complaining about that fly in your soup? Because it spawned too many bad jokes. Silence. <laughs> that's 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 true, but not quite the answer I'm after. Because if you complain about the visible one, it might make you realise about all the invisible ones you've been consuming during that time. Oh yes, you, what what sort of insects might you consume? I uh, don't like you swallow like ten spiders a year or something like that. In your sleep. In your sleep. I think that's an urban legend, but but I think we can. Put I that heard that. I heard that that was a. That was a designed urban mm. legend mm. to track the speed with which urban <laughs> legends can carry. So it's it's it du- it's doubled down on urban legends. It's so there's a conspiracy theory about the urban legend. It's, I guess it's like the ni- the nineties equivalent of my teacher is you know, that Facebook page where or it's like how fast can this go around the world? Yeah, and you're like, well, they're great. The fifth one of these I've seen today. Well, I'm, I'm going to give you a bonus point for that, Dan. Yes, um, good, that. good reincorporation. Thanks. I'm going to award points. I also for managed to do it without insulting any ethnic groups. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, far, <laughs> I'm very proud. Um, do, is, do, it, is it uh, the protein source that we should be it, getting from? It insects? absolutely is. It's the growing popularity of insect protein. Mm. So here we have, uh, or at least in countries that don't already see crickets and larvae as a culinary delight. Do you know the word for insect eating? Stupid. 
entomophagy, or the eating of insects, is on the rise, with insects being seen as perhaps a viable and economically sustainable source of dietary protein. Free range, they're probably organic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I don't, want, I don't want battery wasps. <laughs> 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 oh, they could probably fit in a battery. <laughs> Although we do already have GMO mosquitoes, so you might want to, to wipe them off. Um, and in fact, within the EU, insects have not yet officially been approved as a food source and are not bred for human consumption yet, although some shops in Holland and Belgium have been selling insect-enriched products from imported bugs. Um, how much better for the environment do you think a cricket is than a cow? Twelve. Twelve is correct. <laughs> You're on fire. I'm smashing it. You're doing good. Um, actually, I'd like a little bit more detail than that. Apparently, insects are the best converters of leaf matter to protein. I can't tell you how much better, but they definitely are better. Better. Than a cow. So, so our answers are 12 and better. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 I agree with the statement. So often, like, the, the uh, kind of environmental footprint is measured in vehicles. Mm-hmm. Like, so a cow has, like, the... Um, greenhouse gas output of like a double decker bus, like and, reverse horsepower. Yeah, and so a cricket would have the the greenhouse gas output of <laughs> a beetle. Oh, yeah, <laughs> but then like, oh, one of those one of those escargot cars, one of those little snail shaped cars, <laughs> the really ugly ones. Something for Richard Scarry that florists use. But if you maybe if you look at gas emissions, kind of compared to size, maybe maybe those insects are, are more terrible than cows. Maybe a cow is better. Maybe a cow is... So, so we've had 12 better and not better. <laughs> well, the Huffington Post, that uh, bastion of science journalism, reported last week that the, cons- that the production of a single kilo of crickets ta- takes six times less food, 12 times less water and land space, while producing only one-ninth of CO2 emissions than a kilo of beef. And in addition to this, 80% of a cricket is edible, as opposed to only 40% of a cow. But they, they didn't give the car equivalent, so mm. uh, how are we supposed to trust that science? <laughs> yes, I'm, g- I'm going to write a letter to Ariana Huffington and tell her to up her science journalism. Um, have any of you eaten an insect willingly? Um, I, for Christmas last year, my family thought it would be mega lols to get me um, chocolate-coated crickets. W- were they nice? No. Um, <laughs> I was like, oh, yeah, they're covered in chocolate, that'd be great. Apparently they were bred specifically to be eaten. I think that's a lie. Um, they're just kind of crunchy and hollow. Aww. Well, it, it, it says they were bred to be eaten, not they were bred for flavour. Yeah, that's it's not like you got the true. wagyu beef off. Crickets. Do they massage it every morning? The marbling in those crickets is amazing. Well, you, you do eat a lot of insect products without really realising it. So, of course, honey is an insect product. What What might you find in, in sweets, for instance, that are insect products? Yes, absolutely. Red so you read food colouring. Carmine crushed up food, uh, crushed up bugs are the ladies only apparently, um, and of course shellac, which is a resin secreted by the female lac bug, mixed with ethanol, which is good culinary glaze, also good for nail polish and or paint finish. So next time you have one of your favourite jelly bellies, um, look the other way. I think. Um, next question, and we're going to go back over to uh, one day cricket is. Who is Lady Gargantuan, and what has she recently done for science? Oh, it's, it sounds a lot like Lady Gaga. It does, doesn't um, it? Yeah. There's some low-hanging fruit jokes there. Do you want to go for them? Um, <laughs> I wasn't going to. I was just... Um, and this is a... Does it look like... Is it a bug that wears meat to the Oscars? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like a dung beetle. Yeah, <laughs> except, yeah. except it gathers meat. It gathers meat. Um, 
She did that once. I don't know why. Yeah. Um, Lady Gargantuan. Lady Gargantuan. Right. So, so G-A-G-A hyphen in T-U-A-N. And what's she recently done for science? Oh, right. Well, it's, um, it's, it, that's a, a half Lady Gaga, half orangutan uh, hybrid <laughs> that's been made in a lab to uh, yep. sing poker face while having incredible upper body strength. And <laughs> as, as much as I'd like to say that's correct, it's not. Over to, over to um, Cicada's boot. Well, she's clearly a spider. Yes. Clearly. clearly. Um, who eats fruit flies? For science. For science. Okay, good. No, <laughs> you are all wrong. Um, Lady Gargantuan is a nickname given to a giant Australian stick insect discovered by staff from the Melbourne Museum, a species so rare that this specimen was only the third female ever to have been found in the wild. How big do you think she was? Ten metres long. <laughs> I'd, I'd Twelve. Scale, I'd Twelve metres. <laughs> sorry, let me take that back. I'd scale that down a little bit. Uh, ten... Inches long. Well, she's 50 centimetres, which works out as about 19 and a bit inches, I think. Is the reason why they've only found three of them because they look like sticks? I'd, I'd say that has a lot to do with it. They live in canopies. Um, but Lady Gargantuan began laying eggs shortly after she was gathered from the field. She died shortly thereafter. Um, and her eggs and the resulting little stick insect babies have formed the first ever captive breeding programme for this particular type of stick insect. Uh, the female offspring are even larger than their mum, reaching up to 56.5 centimetres long, just two millimetres off the world record, and a permanent place in my nightmares. Um, Lady Gargantuan's best known hits include The Earwig of Glory, Bora This Way, and Pupe Razzi. <laughs> and that's the end of the round! <laughs> How are you doing in the booth? What are the scores? Um, okay, so I can't remember the names. One Day Cricket, um, they are on 24. Oh, that's and, a good score. Uh, Boot with a bug name mixed in, is um, they're on um, 17. Oh, oh there's, there's still a lot of room to make up. This next, ro- this next round, though, is the quotes round. We'll rattle through it quite quickly. Um, We'll start off with, you've committed murder, oh, and you just need to, to ding in, you've committed murder, much as Helene did, you killed a fly with a human head, she killed a human with a fly head. Wait, what's the question? It's, it's a quotes round. <laughs> so we have to... You, you need to tell me the, the film it's come from, Brendan. The fly. Which one? Uh, that would be the 1986 version. You would be wrong. The, the other, other version. You are correct. That is from the 1958 version featuring Vincent Price with a misleading tagline on the poster reading, the first time atomic mutation on humans has ever been shown on the screen. <laughs> next, next quote. You have to leave now and never come back here. Have you ever heard of insect politics? Neither have I. Insects don't have politics. They're very brutal. No compassion. No compromise. We can't trust the insect. I'd like to become the first insect politician. You see, I'd like to... Yes, Brendan. Is it that movie where there's giant ants? The giant ant movie? No, it's not them. No. Um, Because at the end they like form a parliamentary party <laughs> and decide they can't win by destroying humans so they'll, they'll win their elections? Is that, that what happens? That, that's a good line of thought. I haven't seen it, but... <laughs> <laughs> but I read the Wikipedia page. Um, no, it wasn't. One, one more chance for you, I'm uh, saying... It is um, A Bug's Life. 
No, I'm an, an I'll, I'll finish the quote. I'm an insect who dreamt he was a man and loved it, but now the dream is over and the insect is awake. Yes. The fly. It is the fly. Yes. From 19, yes. 1986, uh, David Cronenberg's The Fly. The best sort of remake, keep the title and throw away everything else. <laughs> Next quote. As Gregor Samsa awoke one morning from uneasy dreams, Dan. And metamorphosis. It is a literary question for Dan Bain. Yes. Very good. Yes, Two correct. endless teachers. <laughs> Smashed. <laughs> so, so what? And so, so the full quote is, or at least this translation is: He awoke one morning from uneasy dreams, and he found himself transformed into his bed into a monstrous vermin. What is Gregor actually transformed into? A cockroach. Wrong. No, it's not. It's oh. totally wrong. Yes, Brenda. A metaphor. <laughs> he is, in fact, transformed into a metaphor. It's a metamorphosis. Metamorphosis. Uh, Sarah Baranowski, in her notes for a very recent translation, makes pains to point out that it doesn't actually say he's some sort of unclean... I'm just doing little quote marks around my words for the people who are listening at home. Um, unclean buggy-type insect. Do you know what his favourite activity is, though? It's my favourite activity, too. Picking rotten bits of fruit out of your carapace? That's my, that's my second favourite activity. It's crawling around the walls in cowering self-abasement. <laughs> Next quote. Why did you do all of this for me? He asked. I don't deserve it. I've never done anything for you. You've been my friend, replied Charlotte. That in its yes, Henry. Charlotte's Web? It is, in fact, Charlotte's Web, EB Classics. Oof. Converting children to vegetarianism since 1952. Next quote. In the light of the moon, a little egg. Very hungry caterpillar. Absolutely, Laura, the mum. It is the very hungry caterpillar, <laughs> Eric Carls from 1969. Hey, according to Amazon, how often is a copy of the book sold? Brendan. Yeah, uh, every time George W. Bush recommends it. <laughs> Isn't it his favourite book? Is it? Yeah. He was asked, he was asked what your favourite book is. He said, yeah. The Very Hungry Caterpillar. Which was published when he was about 20. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, how often would that recommendation be then? Well, I, I'm going to say one is sold every week. <laughs> it's probably not wrong. <laughs> the answer is every 30 seconds. Um, I listened to, an, uh, I guess, an audiobook recently of um, Samuel L. Jackson. Of Hungry Caterpillar. <laughs> no, no, close. A sort of children's book. Um, Samuel L. Jackson doing uh, Go the Fuck to Sleep. Um, which is another kid's book um, <laughs> for parents. Um, it's pretty funny. You should check it out. Yeah. And the, oh, um, the, the, original, the first draft of the very, a very Hungry a Hungry hungry Caterpillar, yeah. the Very Hungry, the very hungry yeah. was, it was a worm, mm. and um, the editor suggested changing it to a caterpillar so there's like a happy ending. How did the worm turn into a butterfly? It d- that was the point. There was no ending. It turned into two worms. <laughs> <laughs> you cut it up. After yeah. extreme yeah. violence. Okay, very good. Uh, next quote. To fight the bug, we must understand the bug. Starship Troopers. It absolutely is Starship Troopers, Dan. You, come on, Sake Dust Boot. You need to move quicker. Yeah, sorry. I'm, I'm, you guys got to put a, put your mark well, away. We're, we're too busy. Well, closer to them than uh, we've got ours to us. You can <laughs> move the dingers! <laughs> you didn't have so many notes in the way. <laughs> the problem is we, we hear the quote, we recognise it, and then we start to think about... Like the thematic importance of the analysis process yeah. before we. You're starting to scaffold the lesson before you decide to dig in. Yeah, we're yeah. using our prior knowledge. We're well, it's not working out for you. So that was, of course, from Starship Troopers, Paul Verhoeven's underrated 1997 camp classic. Now, the next three are related. Now, remember. Yes, Brendan. <laughs> 
James and the Giant Peach. Incorrect. (laughs) (laughs) Now, remember, walk without rhythm and we won't... Brendan. June. It is, in fact, June. This in this case, from David Lynch's 1984 June. Masterpiece or disaster? Uh, masterpiece. Disaster. <laughs> Mas- masterpiece? Disaster. Do, do you uh, have an opinion? Uh, uh, masterpiece. I okay. still don't yeah. know if it's D-U-N-E or, like, the month, June. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, masterpiece. Great, great. This next one related to that... Um, oh look, they've been to Saturn. Hey, I've been to Saturn. Whoa, sandworms. You hate them, right? Brendan. Spaceballs. It is not Spaceballs, Dan. Beetlejuice. It is, in fact, Beetlejuice. Congratulations. Uh, and the third in this series, we got to do something. I don't know why we always had to be me every damn time. We, we, we. What do I look like? An expert in worm. 1990 is the year that we're looking at. A modern classic. Space Jam. <laughs> I'm, I'm pretty sure Space Jam was, was maybe 1996, so... Yes, Brendan. Very Hungry Caterpillar, the movie. <laughs> Not quite. Um, features Kevin Bacon. Usual suspects. Kevin Spacey. What's that, Laura? Tremor. It's Tremors, but, but you can have a point for Thank that. You. It is, in fact... Tremors, and we got there in the end. So, do you know what the monster's names and or monster's name in Tremors is? Not sandworms. They're giant things that eat things. Almost, they're graboids. How many bullshit sequels were there to Tremors? <laughs> you, you get 12. a point. Twelve. <laughs> Actually, I, I'll, I'll give you a point for each one you can name. <laughs> there's, there's, there's Tremors two. two. <laughs> colon. Tremors two colon. Things get shaky. <laughs> no, that'd be that'd be a good title. We've we've got five films all up. Uh, Tremors four off the Richter scale. Oh, that'd be much better than the Legend Begins, which is. <laughs> <laughs> we have Tremors two aftershocks. Tremors three back to perfection, which features a uh, a sandworm called the Ass Blaster or the Ass Blaster. Uh, Tremors five bloodlines and a short-lived series, and that is the end of the round. <laughs> Is, is everything going all right? Uh, yes. Uh, I've got a single fly in here with me and I'm coping really well. Um, <laughs> that, that doesn't sound like particularly extreme aversion. Yeah, well that, that's half Jeff Goldblum. I'm really, <laughs> I'm really pathological. Um, surprise, surprise scoring this, this round. Um, Brenda and Laura have, have swung quite far into the lead. Oh my goodness. They're on 51. Um, Dan and Henry are on 44. So very good, very close. Yeah. Uh, this next round is the pitch round, where I'm going to ask you to pitch me something. However, I want to start it with a question. It's quite a serious question. What is the centipede's dilemma? This is also not a bullshit joke question. It's an actual question. <laughs> My mind just went to the human centipede. Um, oh, see, the there was... The dilemma is whether or not to watch it. <laughs> there, there, there was a rule uh, built into this episode, which was every time someone mentions the human centipede, you lose a point. Oh, <laughs> so, so That's you... all right, because the one behind me gets it. <laughs> <laughs> what is... <laughs> what is the centipede's dilemma? The fact that you can't talk while laughing. What's the centipede's dilemma? Any ideas? It's a short poem. 
in fact, that has lent its name to a psychological effect called the centipede effect or the centipede syndrome or hyperreflection, and it goes like oh, this. Oh, it's, it's when you... Like, it's like if you start thinking about yeah. breathing, then suddenly you have to do it. You can't... You, the automatic function stops. Breathing kind of gets a bit weird yeah. afterwards, yeah. So the, the poem went, A centipede was happy, quite until a toad in fun. Said, pray, which leg comes after which? Which threw her mind in such a pitch she lay bewildered in a ditch considering how to run. So the idea that if reminded of an automatic function, you kind of freak out a little bit. I always feel like you're in a group of people and you don't know them very well. I'm like, oh, you're very quiet. And you're like, thank you. That's cured me. And now I can talk. <laughs> and just you like, Ugh. and you just become more quiet. And then you lie awake at night thinking of all the things you should have said. <laughs> Sorry, Aaron, back to you. <laughs> what I'd like you to do is I'd like each of you to pitch, or each team to pitch me something based on the dilemma of a particular insect. But I'm going to get you to pitch me different things. Mm. So, um, so one, one day cricket, could you please give me an insect for Cicada's boot to base their pitch around? Uh, uh, praying mantis. Praying mantis. Uh, Brendan and Laura, I'd like you to pitch me a board game based on the insect dilemma. Whatever a praying mantis's dilemma is. So a, a board game based on the praying mantis's dilemma. Yeah, and it can be any dilemma you like. Okay. Well, the main problem with board games is that the stakes are not high enough. You know, sure, you lose Monopoly. It's not real money. There's a lot of you, blood, though. Yeah. Um, sure, you lose Sorry. You're not really sorry. <laughs> you lose Checkers. So what? You just flip the board around. But what if the winner... Ate the head of the loser. <laughs> uh, wouldn't that wouldn't that add an extra bit of tension to any game? Wouldn't that wouldn't that Laura? Yes, wouldn't it? But they would have to spend a lot of time reflecting on it. Yeah. Well, well, and then the next time they had to eat the head of a loser, it would be a very introspective. Well, Laura, maybe you could tell me some of the rules of this game. Oh, maybe I could. Maybe I, I maybe I could. Well, you would have to have dice, obviously. Yes. And some board game that you moved around. Um, These are the fundamental parts that, of a board game. That's right. Game. <laughs> yes, I'm, I'm, I'm scrambling for ideas here. Um, <clears throat> well, what shape, would, what shape would the um, playing pieces be? Well, here's, here's an interesting thing about praying mantises. They can rotate their head 360 degrees. And so, in the, the centre would be one of those, uh, like a spinner, like you get in mm. like the game of life and things like that, except it's a praying mantis's head. And you spin around, <laughs> and whoever's it's staring at, its mm. eyes just kind of bore into your soul. Mm. Um, and that's when you have to look to God for guidance. <laughs> um, there's, a, there's a religious educational element to this. That's where the, the praying part comes in. <laughs> um, because you, you, you'll, you know, you'll pray for forgiveness, and then um, the mentis will judge you. <laughs> Also, there could be a religious trivia element, right? You could be yeah. asked for obscure biblical passages, and if you get them correct, then the gaze will spin to the person beside you. But yes. if not... <laughs> it continues to bore <laughs> into you. It's, it's, it sounds like a great niche item. The last thing I wanted to know is, what's the expansion pack? <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, I want to spend more money on this game. It sounds amazing. Sure. Um, yeah, the expansion pack has mandibles. Oh, very good. <laughs> That's great. Yeah. That'll do. Very good. So we have the praying mantis's dilemma from Cicada's boot. Um, what sort of an insect would you like to give to um, One Day Cricket? Dung beetle. 
Dung Beetle, another Dung Beetle. Dan and Henry, I'd like you to pitch me a video game based on the dilemma of the Dung Beetle. Mm. Well, the first question, of course, to ask in this scenario is, what is the dilemma of the Dung Beetle? Mm. Um, and that is, of course, that what if there's no poop? <laughs> then it's just a beetle. Yes. <laughs> when you've defined your existence by being a bit shit, <laughs> when shit is gone, what are you? Mm. What remains? And therein is the fundamental start of the game. We awake in a world <laughs> that, uh, 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 like, all waste has been eliminated, right? Biofuels, um, mm. it's, it's a side-scroller, mm. um, it was kind of 2.5D, um, <laughs> it's kind of the background moves are like a, a little bit slower than you think it should, mm. um, it's yeah. the, the dung beetle silhouetted uh, real, really nicely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Graf- graphically it's also a little bit shit, that's, not, that's a choice yeah. for thematics, yeah. uh, so that's kind of working What is the objective of the game? Good question, I'm glad I asked it. Um, you want to, obviously, you're actually, you're kind of an anti-hero, I guess. You destroy things to kind of render them from the pristine back to uh, a kind of a base state so that you can gather it and make a home. And then it goes into the mini game, which is kind of a Sims house builder where <laughs> you kind of mould um, uh, uh, household furniture out of feces. Mm, mm. It's been it's been described um, as kind of the Sims meets Minecraft meets Mad Max. That kind of um, the kind of elements from each of them sounds yeah. good. Um, um, what's what's the boss level? Um, the the boss level is where you come across um, a. Uh, an organic uh, uh, vegan that produces no waste. Mm. <laughs> small, she lives in a small house. Yeah, um, she's got like a jar, and she's like, "This is all the rubbish I've generated in the last three months." And you open it, and it's just her carbon dioxide yeah. that she's been breathing into. It. Yeah. And then the trick is to to There's find a, garbage in her yeah, apartment. Yeah, and it takes it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really makes her question herself. Does your game have a name? <laughs> um, yeah, it's uh, the shit journey. Yeah, yeah, very I, good. I, I, yeah, yeah. So, 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 on one hand, we have the shit journey, and on the other hand, I, I actually have an objection, and that, that okay. game actually exists. Um, when I was when I was living in Japan about ten years ago, the big game that had just kind of taken over from Pokemon was called Mushi King, which is Insect King, and it was you would control uh, dung beetles, and they would fight against each other. And instead of buying toys, they would actually sell live insects that you could that you could collect. Good grief! Well, I'm I'm very glad you said that, Brendan, because I was going to give the round to Dan and Henry, but on the basis of copyright infringement, it's going to Cicada Spooks, yes. and that's the end of the round. <laughs> How are things working out, Katie? Are you is, is your fear gone? Well, I'm friends with the fly, but this worm that's come in, um, I think I'm going to outlast him, so it's okay. <laughs> um, so, just a second. Uh, it's the adding up the scores that's really stressing her out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, Brendan and Laura on 67, Dan and Henry on... <laughs> 
57. Oh. Yeah. That's it. They were actually, they had actually pulled ahead again, but um, then Brendan had that amazing 10-year-old Japanese video game fact. So yeah. <laughs> it, it was an amazing fact. But that said, this has been a high-scoring game so far, so it's still anyone's game. So round four is the pick-up lines round. Um, I'd just like you to ding in when you have a pick-up round, uh, when you have a pick-up line. It will go, I like my something like I like my something something. So, for instance, I like my men like I like my mayflies, initially frisky but dead within 24 hours. <laughs> so, this first one is, I like my whatever like I like my butterflies. I like my men like I like my butterflies pretty. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. I like my woman like I like my butterflies wrapped up in my cocoon. Oh, this is. This is. <laughs> I like my women like I like my butterflies with a caterpillar inside them. <laughs> I like my men like I like my butterflies wintering in the park behind my house. Oh, very nice. I like my women <laughs> like I like my butterflies to be treated like monarchs. Ooh. Ooh. This is a very respectful round, so let's move on. I like my something like I like my parasites. <laughs> Brendan. Um, I like my men like I like my parasites. Up inside me. <laughs> I like my women like I like my parasites. Sucking my vital juices. <laughs> Any advances on that? I like, I like my men like I like my parasites. Silent. Oh, very good. I like my women like I like my parasites. They give me fever. Dingo fever. <laughs> uh, I like my something like I like my beehives. I like my women like I like my beehives. In Wellington. <laughs> I like my something like I like that's my... That's it? Yeah, no, that's it. You killed it. Um, I like my something like I like my infestations. <laughs> Invasive? <laughs> I like my woman like I like my infestations. In my pubes. <laughs> Very good. I like my, uh, something like I like my ants. I like my women like I like my ants, able to lift 40 times their own body weight. <laughs> I like my women like I like my ants, uh, with a sizable forex. I like my women like I my, like my ants, appearing in the best MacGyver episode. <laughs> <laughs> And finally, I like my something like I like my malaria. <laughs> I like my women like I like my malaria. No matter what I do, they keep coming back. I like my men like I like my malaria. Hot and sweaty. I, I like my women like I like my malaria. Mostly in a hammock. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I like my men like I like my malaria. I don't. <laughs> and that's the end of the round. <laughs>
Tracy, where are you up to? Okay, I pre-counted them. Oh, good. Um, <laughs> but before we said them? <laughs> no. Are we still on 57 and 67? I am very fair. Um, uh, 77 for Brendan and Laura. Uh, 72 for Dan Ooh. Henry. Oh, it's anyone's game then. In this last round... Wait, wait. What? We haven't given you any insects. Oh, you haven't. I'm so sorry. I'm not sorry. I'm so sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Would you like to... Let's, let's take a moment for some insect facts. Laura, take it away. Right. What, what, okay. Um, did you know that the Mormon cricket uh, ejaculates in his sperm packet 27% of his body weight? Is that a good fact or a bad fact? Good fact. Did you say Mormon? The Mormon cricket. That's right. I did. So K. Spoot gets a point. Oh, I can count it if if it, if, it, if it's insect insect sperm facts. Why didn't you mention that? That's my specialist subject. Let, let me t- Snails fire calcified uh, uh, kind of darts at each other to wound the female one, and then just ejaculate into the wound hole. Yes, Good Dad, fact or bad that? fact? That's a good fact. You get a point. Yeah, I can't believe you just said ejaculating into the wound hole was a good fact. <laughs> um, can you name it? Laura's challenged you on the to, to name the scientific name for that that process of insemination. Yeah, um, of course I can. It's um, uh, uh, extra uh, curricular um, <laughs> is it calcification is it tra- ionization is it traumatic insemination oh, it is oh, oh, yeah. oh. very very good I just, to, I just had to wait for you to finish up <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I just wait yeah. and that's the end of the mysterious insect facts round 4a we're into round 5 now and normally we'd have something like a, a debate or a who would win but I thought that as we, in all the unimportant parts of the world, wait for the United States to decide which of its contenders will be the actual contenders who will contend for the right to have their finger on the nuke button, I thought that it would be very fitting if we staged a presidential debate between the two candidates. Now, each team has, in their own time, chosen an insect-related presidential candidate. Um, and I'm going to ask each team, firstly, to give us uh, opening statements, which will include perhaps one of their key policies, maybe. Um, the other team can do the same. There will be a minute of rebuttal each and then instead of wrapping up like we normally do I'm going to get each of them to voice a 30 second attack ad on the other (laughs) candidate and we'll see at the end what what candidate you the audience like the best Um, so given given your extreme knowledge of traumatic insemination Mm. (laughs) I would would like it if one day cricket went first you've got a minute and I'll give you a wee tap tap when you've got 10 seconds left wonderful okay well first of all uh, he's made He's made several appearances on the show uh, uh, this evening already, and we would like to nominate for the candidacy of the president for the presidency uh, Jeff Goldblum as uh, the fly mm. uh, for president. Yeah, he's um, he's a great man. He combines the best of uh, two great worlds. Mm. Um, one of his policies is around. Um, kind of uh, surveillance and that's right um, can 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 this president keep us safe can yeah. he observe and we say that naturally he is the person to be the fly on the wall mm. uh, in any kind of situation now uh, foreign policy how will it go quite frankly he'll just be challenging anyone to arm wrestles uh, mm. and we all know that that will go exceedingly well for him uh, it, it's true um, uh, 
Con- considering Jeff Goldblum's um, history with flies, he's he's he knows about them a lot. Um, you know, your pants will never fall down because he always knows where the where the flies are. That's very good. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you for your opening statement. Um, over to Sikadas Boot. Can you uh, introduce us to your candidate? Certainly can. You know, America is controlled by the one percent, and so we need a leader who can control these blood-sucking parasites. And who better than a blood-sucking parasite? And that's why we are nominating a tech. (laughs) Or, in fact, the tech. To be the Republican presidential candidate. (laughs) Ladies and gentlemen, that spreading red rash across the nation, it's not Lyme disease. (laughs) It's America turning red for the tech. Do you have a policy? He does. He runs very much on fiscal responsibility, and and we know that, although he hasn't voiced anything, but um, his, his, his buddy Arthur... His running mate. His running mate, a moth accountant, um, is, is very much there to keep him in check um, and to keep him on track. He also has a strong military policy, um, which is not in the face. Very good. <laughs> so, over to One Day Cricket. Um, you can have a one-minute rebuttal starting now. Uh, well, first of all, we'd like to say, uh, uh, if, any, if you're going to give anyone the tick, it should be Jeff Goldblum when you vote um, in the voting booth. Give him the tick, uh, rather than the tick, the tick, 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 tock, time's ticking by. Um, uh, what else? In defence of uh, Jeff Goldblum, um, all, all we'd like to say, quite frankly, is... Uh, Jeff Goldblum will help you as long as you help me. <laughs> You've got another thirty seconds. Oh. Shouldn't have used that big, uh, yeah, big right. finish, just particularly since it didn't really hit as hard as we were hoping. Yeah, you just um, you blew your load there, like um, I really did. like his girlfriend blew off his head. That's um, <laughs> uh, not one of the qualities. No, but uh, there will be a wonderful transport. Uh, solution, of course, uh, with disastrous teleportation. Fantastic. Disastrous teleportation. Over to you, uh, Sakeda's Boot, for a one-minute rebuttal. Well, I think clearly the tick has um, your interests in heart. They, he really likes you for you, whereas the fly is merely interested in what he can leave behind. That's right. A tick looks deep inside you. It values not just, not just the surface, but what's inside, your blood. And you know what? The tick is attracted by your smell. It doesn't, it doesn't, it's not repelled by it, no. The tick smells you, it appreciates you, and it wants inside you. <laughs> and it clings on, actually, once it's there. So it's a very loyal kind of a leader. It's really, um, it's really in it for the long run. Unlike a fly who will flip from spot to spot, the tick is, is, is there with you, next to you. Yes. On your side. The big problem, the big problem with Jeff, Jeff Goldblum's fly is in this day and age, I mean, that was fine in the 80s, but now, you know, everything, everything that's important is controlled by the web. You've still had 30 seconds remaining. <laughs> no, I'll just leave it there. Right, now each... <laughs> uh, now each team is going to present us with an attack ad... Uh, tearing strips off of their opponent. So we'll start with you, One Day Cricket. You have 30 seconds in which you can say the most abhorrent, vile, and not necessarily true things about your opponent. The tick 
wants to kill you for your blood. It wants to drain you and eat your blood. So don't vote for him. <laughs> He's the silent killer, the one that you think is there because you've been scratching an awful lot lately. Do you have an itch that you can't scratch? You might have a tick problem. So get a hot poker. <laughs> the tick. Give the tick the cross. <laughs> Very good. And over to Cicada's boot with your 30-second attack ad. Ominous music plays. Making do with what's left behind. Very long time. Jeff Goldblum says that he can lead you. But what has happened to America when Jeff Goldblum has been there? Attacked by dinosaurs. 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 Attacked by aliens. 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 Attacked by... Flyheads, flyheads, flyheads. Jeff Goldblum, bad for Jurassic Parks, bad for America. Very good. So that, that's, those are your candidates, audience. And I would like you to uh, let me know who you think is the presidential candidate that you will be backing. Will it be Jeff Goldblum as the fly? And will it be the tick? So the winner is the tick, and that's the end of the round. So I'm going to let uh, Katie try to get over her fear of worms and flies while she tallies up the scores. But while that happens, I'd like each of our nerds to let you know what they've been nerding out on recently, or perhaps to offer a recommendation. So, Dan. Uh, recently I've been uh, nerding out on Final Fantasy IX for iOS. Um, oh, wow, that's good. Uh, it's a really good com- uh, port over to uh, the iOS. Um, it doesn't put like stupid controls over everything like the Final Fantasy VII port does. Um, the backgrounds are a bit grainy, but they've redone all the character models for uh, the high resolution. And um, it's fun, and it's Final Fantasy, and it's a weird kind of convoluted Japanese story about... Like fifteen-year-olds with and six-year-olds like saving the world. Um, yeah, I've been nerding out on that. <laughs> Henry, um, I've recently been house sitting and abusing the Netflix and watching uh, BBC's The Human Planet, um, which I found to be a great series. Just looks at um, kind of uh, people living in extreme situations: uh, water, mountains, snow. Um, yeah, nine and a half out of ten on IMDb. Can we watch if your house person has Netflix? <laughs> <laughs> and I'd like to recommend, of course, The Nerd Degree. We're available on Twitter, on Facebook at nerddegree.com, and we record here on the first Wednesday of every month in Christchurch at Orange Studios. I've been geeking out when I've been highbrow to Joan Didion's The White Album, which um, is a very good book of pieces that I'm enjoying. And when I'm in a lowbrow mood and the complete opposite, I've been watching terrible quantities of The Bachelor. <laughs> Which I'm not recommending. <laughs> um, so my favourite board game at the moment is Mysterium. It's this game where uh, people take on the role of psychic detectives, 
and then one person plays like a recently murdered victim and all they, they have to uh, give them like dreams that the detectives have to interpret to try and solve the murder. It sounds, it's as insane as it sounds. Um, Mysterium, strong recommend. Very good. Now over to Katie with the final scores. Well, um, we have uh, Dan and Henry, t- final score, 85. And Brenda and Laura, final score, 89. So, so well done to our winners, Cicadas Boot, who will form an ant raft and sail off into the sunset, while our losers, One Day Cricket, will remain stuck in the web, awaiting a slow and painful death by poisoning and desiccation. Again, sounds like a really good night out. But that's us for now. Thank you very much for listening, and in the words of the tick and so may evil beware and may good dress warmly and eat lots of vegetables